This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is my honor to say, uh, by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. But also that we have two of some of the best, uh, two of the best investigative reporters working today on the show. One of them is James Rosen. I have admired James Rosen for years, and he now works with Newsmax. And he is, uh, he is what Jake Tapper wishes he was if he weren't such a tool. So uh, James Rosen's going to join us at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, Darren Beatty, uh, the author, uh, the, the creator of Revolver News. We're going to be talking about this government censorship complex January the 6th, among others. We know that the powers that be, no matter, you know, maybe it's maybe it's uh, Rupert Murdoch. Certainly it is uh, the deep state Mitch McConnell and uh, Chuck Schumer shut down Tucker Carlson. Because he came out and he uh, hit the ground running, disproving uh, the biggest narrative of all, that the, uh, the uh, January the 6th insurrection was violent and they tried to take over the government when, in fact, there were violent people, violent actors outside who had infiltrated Trump's crowd and then broke out windows, assaulted police. And ultimately, and, and I stand by that, because when Donald Trump supporters got into the building... They were peaceful. Why did that change? Maybe it's because the people who went into the building had respect for the building and went in not only because there was an open door, but because they were invited in. And I'll tell you what, if you look at Twitter today, it's blowing up with all sorts of cell phone video that has been shut down before, that had been taken off. You couldn't share it on YouTube. You couldn't share it on Instagram. You couldn't share it on Facebook. You couldn't share it on Twitter, anything. You couldn't, but now it's there. And hell is coming for Democrats. Hell is coming for the malfeasance of January the 6th, for shutting down conservative media, for shutting down social media, for destroying lies, for covering up the, where the origins of COVID. I can go on and on and on. Yesterday's kind of funny because uh, Sylvia Garcia is a representative I never heard of, but she's an idiot. And she goes in yesterday and she's sitting in front of uh, Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi, two left-leaning journalists who were... Uh, charged with exposing 
the Twitter files. And they have exposed a number of things, including this massive government cabal to shut down conservative speech and support the government narrative. Which is why forever I've been saying if the mainstream media, big social media, and the deep state all say what you're saying is disinformation, it means they know you know the truth, I am vindicated. Not taking a trophy. I just knew it was. But this moron, this Sylvia Garcia, just to start off, how stupid she is. She talked to, uh, I guess it's Matt Taibbi yesterday, about another journalist uh, involved in the Twitter files. And she was under the impression that uh, they had a threesome. I'm not kidding, with Elon Musk. In, um, in your discussion, in your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss. My friend Barry Weiss. So this friend works for Twitter, or what is, what is her... Um... She's a journalist. Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm, I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger. Yeah, you, you need to uh, you prepare yourself if you're going to question people who are uh, journalists. And, uh, duh, yeah, of course she was a journalist, and if you had prepared yourself for this hearing, you'd know that. But you're an idiot. Yes, ma'am, Barry Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir? She's a journalist. She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her? Um, yeah. Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk? I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome? Um, there was many more people involved than that. Yeah, it was more like an orgy, I guess. Uh, here is Sylvia Garcia going after Matt Taibbi, telling him to uh, uh, name his sources in a, uh, a congressional hearing, which is uh, illegal for a Congress idiot to do this. All right. <clears throat> Hold on one second. I'll play it again. Here we go. Uh, Mr. Taibbi, um, I want to follow up a little bit on the ranking member's questions. Please do, yes. Uh, what was the first time that Mr. Musk approached you about writing uh, uh, the Twitter files? Uh, again, Congresswoman. When writing the Twitter files, uh, he was actually taking the story and making it into a story. Would be, uh, they called it the Twitter files. I just need a date, sir. But I can't give it to you, unfortunately, because this this is a question of sourcing, and I don't give them. I'm it's a journalist. A, I don't reveal my source. It's a question of chronology. No, no. that's a question because of sourcing. Because you earlier said that, that someone had sent you through the Internet some message about whether or not you would be interested in some information. Yes, and I refer to that person as a source. Did you have a threesome with this source? So you're not going to tell <laughs> us when Musk first approached you? Again, Congressman, so you're asking me to yes you're no. asking a journalist to reveal so a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this? No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I I, I, well, I just can't answer your question. Well, if he is or he isn't, if you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well then that the only logical conclusion is that he is in fact your source. Well, you're free to conclude that. Well, sir, I just don't understand. You can't have it both ways, but let's move on. Cause yeah, let's, let's, do, let's move on. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, wow. How ungodly stupid can someone be in Congress? I told you, if you think the best and brightest are in Washington, D.C., you would be absolutely wrong, and I think I'm kind of proving my point here. Let's go to Carrie and, uh, Carol in Perry Hall, Maryland. Hello, Carol. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hey, Mom, I don't trust Fox. I don't trust Carlson. Carlson's been in this. Fox for years. He knew what was going on. I just don't believe it. I haven't trusted Fox since election day in twenty twenty. Yeah, I know I know the feeling. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? You are the you're the radio guy, you're the T V guy. 
Oh, I don't trust uh, Fox. I, I don't. I mean, I, I like, I like Tucker. I, you know, I used to be kind of friends with Brett Baer. We used to host a, a big uh, telethon and a big uh, fundraiser for Children's National Medical Center. And and uh, what happened on the, the night of election night? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never, I'll never forgive him. I'll never forgive him for it. I won't anyway, let you be friends with Brett Baer again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But as far as Tucker, I'd, I'd like to think I can trust him, and somebody put the heavy on him. What, I, what I do. do. I don't know. I, I don't know I either. You don't know who to trust, I thought, do you? I you don't know. know I just thought Fox was throwing the, the public a bone. And the fuck, know, Tucker knew that it was going to happen. I don't know. Thanks anyway, for the call, though. I, I appreciate it. Uh, what, did you have something else you wanted to mention or no? She gone. She's gone. Oh, I, oh, I got to learn how to take it. Sorry, I played music radio for about 25 years, so I know every song that you probably ever heard in popular music. Uh, here is Representative uh, Plaskin. Uh, is it Snake Plissken? No, it's uh, de- Delegate, delegate uh, Stacy Plaskett from the U.S. Virgin Islands. She's not going back. Uh, asking, um, <laughs> this is pretty funny, attempting to go after the two journalists who were brought yesterday into Congress, two leftist journalists, two liberals who uh, Elon Musk hired to uh, write the, the story about the Twitter files, and she ended up looking like a complete moron. The FTC has extraordinarily serious concerns about Twitter's handling of consumers' data, and that there's what? something going on what? between congressional Republicans and Elon Musk. Mr. Chairman, Americans can see through this. No, they can't. Musk is helping you out politically, and you're going out of your way to promote and protect him and to praise him for his work. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the fire. So she, she insults them by calling them so-called journalists. And, uh, you know, it'd be like if you uh, walked up to me and said, a so-called comedy writer or so-called talk show host i'm like no no i i've I've been doing it about 30 years actually and that's what uh, matt taibbi did my name is matt taibbi i've been a reporter for 30 years uh, and a staunch advocate of the first amendment much of that time was spent at rolling stone magazine Uh, ranking member plaskett um i'm not a so-called journalist Uh, i've won the national magazine award the if stone award for independent journalism and I've written 10 books, including four oh, yeah. New, York Times, New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> um, I'm now the editor of the online magazine Racket on the independent platform Substack. I'm here oh, to... Oh, yeah, you know, 10 best-selling books about journalism. But you're not a... You're so-called. I because of a series of events that began late last year when I received a note from a source online. It read, Are you interested in doing a deep dive into what censorship and manipulation was going on at Twitter? A week later, the first of what became known as the Twitter Files reports came out. To say these attracted intense public interest would be an understatement. My computer looked like a Vegas slot machine uh, as just the first tweet about the blockage of the Hunter Biden laptop story registered 143 million impressions and 30 million engagements. You know why? Because uh, there are millions and millions of people who know that this has been happening because it has impacted them. It has impacted their ability to express themselves, not just journalists, people in general. And then, of course, it ultimately has ended up putting people in prison. Here's a little bit more from uh, Matt Taibbi with what he discovered as a liberal journalist. But it wasn't until a week after the first report, after Michael Schellenberger, Barry Weiss, and other researchers joined the search of the files, 
that we started to grasp the significance of this story. The original promise of the Internet was that it might democratize the exchange of information globally. A free Internet would overwhelm all attempts to control information flow, its very existence a threat to anti-democratic forms of government everywhere. What we found in the files was a sweeping effort to reverse that promise and use machine learning and other tools to turn the Internet into an instrument of censorship and social control. Unfortunately, our own government appears to be playing a lead role. Wow. Our government used the Internet to shut down speech just like they do in communist China. Thank you, Elon Musk. Here is uh, Representative Dan Bishop asking Matt Taibbi about a guy named Richard Stengel who created the Global Information Disinformation uh, Index. Or introduce country to somebody else. I think you've mentioned it in some one of your writings. Richard Stengel. You know who that is? Yes, he's the former, uh, the first head of the Global Engagement Center. I want the American Global Engagement Center? That's what it's people called. to hear from him for thirty seconds. Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as a chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. Propaganda, I'm not against propaganda. Every country does it, and they have to do it to their own population. I'll just say it uh, because it's very obvious. He's the Joseph Goebbels of America 2023. Every country does it. Every country does propaganda, and they have to do it to their own people is what Mr. Stingle said. If I understand correctly, he was the head of the, of the, G, of the Global Engagement Center at its creation, right? He was, and in his book, um, Information Wars, there's, there are a number of passages where he talks about creating a whole-of-government solution to the information problem. He hastened to say that he didn't want to create any, a, quote, information ministry, but what he was describing roughly approximates that. This committee has to uncover not this, that single instance, but this system that you have described. This is the hope that Americans have to set this right. This committee and that hostility shows what we're up against. All right, so coming up, Michael Schellenberger, liberal journalist, tells you all of the agencies, the government agencies, who were involved in censorship of speech, and they all had a direct line to Twitter. This is what we're discovering. This is an important show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rob Carson Show. They impeached our president twice for nothing. The truth is simple, and it's right before our eyes. They raided his home. I don't know what to be concerned about. No one, no one seems to. And they call us extremists and fascists for supporting him. Yeah, we're done with all that. It's the Rob Carson Show. Or this country to somebody else. I think you've mentioned it in one of your writings. Richard Stengel, you know who that is? Yes, he's the former, uh, the first head of the Global Engagement Center. I want the American people to hear from him for 30 seconds. Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and, you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as a chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. Propaganda, I'm not against propaganda. Every country does it, and they have to do it to their own population. Wow. That is a, uh, a member of the deep state in the United States of America, not the former Soviet Union. Can you believe that? And the Global Engagement Center censored conservatives and the global engagement center went after conservative networks and sites and they declared them most susceptible to what they call misinformation and disinformation which is what the government what shut down 
All right. Gateway Pundit, Newsmax, among others, the New York Post on this list, all government sanctioned, which should cause the start of a new American revolution, not a violent one, but one to turn the country around from becoming Maoist China. The bottom of the hour, James Rosen, who is now a reporter for Newsmax, is going to join us. He is uh, uh, an amazing reporter. Uh, He has written a book called uh, Justice Scalia, Scalia. Uh, rise to greatness, and uh, he'll join us after the bottom of the hour to talk about all of this. Uh, yesterday, Michael Schellenberger, was a, he's a reporter. He's got a Substack page. Matt Taibbi was there as well. He's a uh, Rolling Stone reporter, both very left-of-center reporters, who were tasked with looking at um, the connection between uh, social media and the deep state to shut down speech. And they found it. And In my wildest dreams, I could have never imagined this. But I thank God, first, of course, then Elon Musk for exposing it. Well, I mean, we've all just sort of stumbled across it. At first, we couldn't figure out why it was that you had uh, DHS and FBI and all these in the White House uh, interfering and making demands on the social media platforms to censor people. And then we realized that it was actually very well organized. It was coordinated. There was efforts by various think tanks to insist that reporters not properly cover the Hunter Biden laptop story, pre-bunking it in advance. It's incredibly well coordinated. (laughs) It's very shocking. And you're absolutely right. The U.S. government cannot infringe upon the right of media companies to protect free speech. You cannot hire somebody to censor. So this right. subcontracting, the contracting with, with uh, of taxpayer money of organizations to engage in censorship is absolutely illegal. We've been promised, there was many people we met with today in Congress who have promised to get to the bottom of it. We've got to defund and dismantle the censorship industrial uh, complex before 100%. Uh, it really uh, undermines the whole our whole democratic system. Yeah, uh, politicians like Adam Schiff, corrupt NGOs, big media, big tech colluded to censor, shadow ban, and purge conservative messaging surrounding the truth in topics like COVID, the Russia collusion sham, and the 2020 election steal in January the 6th. Oh my God, I just said four things that were absolutely considered misinformation for the last three years. Oh, my God. I should go to jail, I suppose, right? Here's more from Michael Schellenberger. Well, it was a very disturbing event, uh, Tucker, as you as you pointed out. I mean, this is uh, they then proceeded to demand to know who our sources were, which, of course, uh, we were unwilling to share with them. This is the FTC government agency going after these guys for just being investigative reporters. And it's important to remember the context here. We were revealing here. This is way beyond uh, woke censorship within oh, no, Twitter. No. We have now discovered no. a censorship industrial complex wow. that includes... Uh, government-funded entities that are doing state-sponsored censorship, and it includes Department of Homeland, uh, uh, you know, the Department of Homeland Security agencies. We have the FBI involved. They've now working with the National Science Foundation to make forty million dollars worth of grants to create little censorship centers in universities around the country. Wow. All done in the name of fighting disinformation, but in fact are spreading disinformation, spreading conspiracy theories, as we saw them do with the Russia, uh, with Russia Gate, the Russia hoax. We saw them spread the conspiracy theories around Hunter Biden's laptop. Wow. This is a liberal journalist, and here is Michael Schellenberger talking about the scope of corruption in our federal government deep 
state. They are now seeking widespread use of artificial intelligence to censor accurate information. We've now seen Facebook and Twitter uh, caught uh, censoring accurate information about uh, coronavirus uh, vaccinations because they were worried that it would lead to vaccine hesitancy. So this story has really evolved. There's much more to say on it. We're still discovering a lot of information. But what you're basically seeing here is the rise of a for-profit censorship. They lied about the vaccine so you would take it or they'd force you to take it. ...industry funded by American taxpayers to censor real-world information. And this is basically a turning of the national security state from the kind of psychological operations they they launched abroad into the United States using the exact same kind of influence operation tactics that they used abroad wow. on the American people. It's a huge scandal. A lot more to come on the story in the weeks and months to come. It is, I believe, the biggest, uh, certainly the biggest scandal in uh, in our lifetimes, even if you're 20 or 30 years older than me. Uh, it is the biggest scandal, and it is an affront to the First Amendment, which made us the greatest engine of individual and economic freedom in the history of mankind. This is worth fighting for, kids. I'm just glad it's coming out. James Rosen from Newsmax joins us next to add some nuance and facts. Don't. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey guys, it's Carson. The madness is upon us. Make your march a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Use the promo code Newsmax to receive a deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance to win big money. If you're the type of person who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at a life-changing amount of money. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Remember, visit MyBookie online at mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Use the promo code Newsmax to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's mybookie.website slash Newsmax. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. He got 81 million votes. Yeah, right. It's the Rob Carson Show. Don't worry. Joining us on the Newsmax Hotline, one of my favorite investigative journalists for a very... And before he was with Newsmax, I know, it's crazy. Uh, James Rosen joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. Hello, my friend, how are you? Rob, great to be back with you. Thank you for having me. You bet. I guess the question everybody wants to know is, who are you rooting for with Marge Madness? I'm just kidding, actually. Do, do you have a dog <laughs> in the hunt? i disappointed because I'm one of those people that has to say I don't follow it. All right, all right. So let's talk about uh, what happened in Congress this week, particularly yesterday with Matt Taibbi and um, uh, Michael Schellenberger uh, before Congress uh, talking about what they're saying is a global disinformation, um, well, essentially a cabal. Uh, what did you gather from yesterday? Did it surprise you? Did you learn more than you knew before? What, what did you think of the hearings yesterday? 
So I'm not a specialist in the whole Twitter files universe. Um, I would say that I think some new information certainly was entered into the record as a result of the hearing. But I, I think that in general, the Twitter story, the, the true story of what was going on there at the time, uh, what all that email traffic showed between executives and so forth, uh, it's going to take some time for that to be properly understood because it's a massive uh, amount of data and information. You know, oh, yeah. it, in a sense, reminds me of the Pentagon Papers, which was just only seven thousand pages of classified <laughs> documents. This is this is tens of millions of gigabytes of, of material. Uh, so it's sort of like uh, I think combing through it will be sort of like a, a, a task akin to that which faced Sir Edward Gibbon in producing the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah, well, uh, it it uh, definitely is, and I and I brought a lot to the table today, and I have for the last several years with regard to uh, you know what I what I said originally. I said that uh, you know we created the government created this uh, disinformation uh, misinformation thing out of whole cloth. I'd never heard it before, and then I did a little bit of research, and it's been used in the past to silence speech. Joseph Stalin came up with disinformatia in 1923, and so I've been following it closely, wondering why my opinions could be so roundly censored not only by the mainstream media, big social media, but also be declared by the federal government. All three of those, my opinion, like for instance, maybe hydroxychloroquine works, all of them in concert said, that's disinformation. That's when I said, huh, there's something going on here. And and I, I believe that we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg. And I think as far as the First Amendment, James Rosen, uh, this should be a major eye-opener for anybody, particularly people in journalism. Um, you're in journalism. Let, let me ask you this, because you, I think you're a journalist, okay? I know a lot of people who aren't journalists. I'm not a journalist. I report some news items. I have opinions. But you, to you, I believe the concept of journalism and being the uh, the the... Uh, the, 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 the response to whatever government, whatever is going on. If this is sacred to you. Do you feel like that perhaps journalism has been kind of under fire because of all of this stuff? Any time in history there have been journalists, they've been under fire because they've yeah, performed the very uh, sometimes unwelcome act of, of, of bearing with power. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that, um, uh, again, I think uh, there's great journalists working today. There's, there's some journalists working today who probably are very opinionated and, and allow that to show through in their work. Um, I, I just bring to what I do yeah. uh, the ethos uh, that my real job is to add new facts to the record of our times so that the people 100 years from now will know what was happening. I once asked William F. Buckley Jr. Uh, what a responsible historian should say about the Clinton presidency. And he paused, and he said, well, a responsible historian uh, would first tell what happened. So uh, that's what I'd like to achieve. Uh, that's what I aspire toward is objective journalism, recording the, uh, the, 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 the new facts of our time and the new trends of our time. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this because it was a major story this week, and it was uh, Twitter, or not Twitter, I should say, uh, uh, the January sixth video given to uh, Tucker Carlson and Fox News to uh, uh, you know to decipher, to look at, to see. I likened it to uh, picking up what the January sixth committee left on the cutting room floor. Uh, of course, there's uh, I'm sure some sort of uh, slant to it because Tucker Carlson is a conservative. Um, but what did you think? Uh, he came out with both guns blaring on Monday 
Friday night uh, talking about the Jacob Chansley uh, effectively exonerating him to some degree. Uh, also, the Brian Sicknick uh, portion of the story that showed he was still alive two hours after the, uh, the insurrection of the Capitol. And then uh, not so much on new material Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I, I doubt I will get an opinion from you because you're more of a straightforward guy. But do you suppose that uh, he ran out of video uh, on Tuesday and he, and he did it all on Monday or maybe something else? He being? Tucker Carlson. So I didn't see his segments, but I've, I'm familiar with some of the clips and the, okay. and the implications that they are said to, to, um, to raise. Um, again, I think... Uh, the question is whether the clips that we've seen, um, even as they may add new information to our, our understanding of this event, uh, do they really serve to change our fundamental understanding of this event? Um, and I, I doubt that they will. Um, but I also would say this, that uh, since January 6th occurred, obviously one of the most um, controversial uh, moments in the final days of the Trump presidency um, our treatment of it as a people, our, our committee, our, our, our resistance to the committee, uh, all of the phenomena associated with the January 6th debate since then has been entwined with the pending candidacy or potential candidacy and now yes. a declared candidacy of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And it would be interesting to me to see how the country would treat January 6th if um, the, the uh, pendency of Mr. Trump's political uh, ambitions were removed from our consideration of January 6th. Yes. In other words, if it, were, if, it, if it didn't have anything to do with who might be the next president, would we, would we look on this historical event any differently? Uh, the, the fact that politics, current electoral politics, is so closely bound up with the subject of January 6th, I think perhaps has contributed to some distortions in the way the whole, the whole set of events is, is processed by people. Very well said, actually. Um, well, I didn't. Ex I mean, I, of course, I expect that from you, but it was that was brilliant. Uh, House the House unanimously passed a bill to declassify the COVID nineteen origin report four nineteen to nothing. Uh, very rarely, in fact, uh, certainly with this Congress, but uh, in the previous Congress, and I, I can't remember the last time I saw a vote <laughs> like this, unless they were saying, uh, you know, the, the the bill is ice cream tastes good. I don't think you'd get four nineteen to no. Uh, what do you think about that, and what do you think is going to happen with regard to the origin? of COVID and what we've been uh, being told. Two government agencies, the DOE and the FBI, say it came from Wuhan. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I've done some reporting of my own on this subject over the years. Uh, the first uh, persnickety point I make, however, is that I try never to refer to the origins, plural, of COVID-19 because I feel the, the mere addition of the S prejudices our, our outcome of, uh, of this gotcha. ongoing investigation. Uh, I speak only of the origin of covid assuming that there aren't two at the same time. Um, and uh, the reporting I've done in the past, when I was with the Sinclair Broadcast Group in uh, 2021, in May of that year, I broke the news that a year earlier, in May of 2020, the Department of Energy, which of course is the uh, latest large agency to come down in favor of the lab leak theory, uh, which we saw just in the last couple of weeks, my reporting in 2021 was that back in May of 2020, the Department of Energy, specifically the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, yes. and yes. specifically the Z Division, which is the name given to the intelligence unit at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory of DOE. Uh, the Z Division, a year back in May of 2020, uh, quietly produced a classified report, uh, classified at the top secret level, uh, that was only um, 
minimally distributed throughout the Trump national security apparatus that concluded that at that point, by May of 2020, that the lab leak and zoonotic theories of the origin of COVID-19 were equally plausible. And when I broke this story, the uh, Lawrence Livermore uh, spokesperson confirmed the existence of the report. Uh, and it was fascinating to hear about the work of the Z Division, which has a great sort of Cold War menace to its name. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because uh, as a journalist, I think you could speak to it better than I do. And that is when, uh, for instance, I believe it was Christopher Ray, maybe not Christopher, uh, somebody had mentioned the other, maybe it was Fauci. Uh, but anyway, they said that because uh, the DOE and the, uh, uh, the FBI both said that the origin of COVID was the Wuhan lab, but they, they discounted it by saying there's no consensus. And to me, that made no sense whatsoever. Not every government department has to uh to come to the same conclusion for it to be a a result what are you what are your thoughts about that this reference on the part of the biden administration and uh others uh and and many who who want to um, press the zoonotic theory uh for the origin of covid um they they i think um they 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 point to there not being a consensus because there may be a, a, uh, an equal number of important institutions and federal agencies in the intelligence community and elsewhere that have settled on zoonotic, as have settled on lab league, uh, so that there's a real schism within the intelligence community mm-hmm. about the origin uh, and what might have caused it. And um, if, if that's true, and I believe it is, then it's, it's accurate to say that there's not a consensus. Let me ask you this. Yesterday, Elise Stefanik of New York uh, asked Christopher Ray if he felt that Hunter Biden's laptop was still disinformation, and he really had no answer to that. Apparently, he's not come to a consensus. What are your thoughts on Hunter Biden's laptop now that has literally been in the possession of the FBI since around 11 months before Election Day 2020? Well, um, five days before Election Day 2020, on October 29th, this reporter, uh, this was again during my Sinclair run, um, broke the story that Hunter Biden was under active federal criminal investigation for his finances since 2019. And uh, this was, as I say, five days before the election. Uh, it got about 25,000 likes on Twitter. Um, but what happened was no other news organization stepped forward to follow up to either refute or substantiate my reporting. And... Um, only uh, political playbook referenced that I had broken this story. As well, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the Biden-Harris campaign, Mr. Hunter Biden himself and his attorneys, all stayed silent. Nobody said anything about it. The election unfolded as we know it did. And then after the election was certified, uh, Hunter Biden stepped forward and confirmed that he was under active federal criminal investigation over his finances. Uh, and so that reporting was completely vindicated. Um, so I have an attachment to the Hunter Biden story as well uh, from, uh, through my work on it. Um, as to the, the whole question of whether uh, important people in and out of the intelligence community rushed to characterize his laptop as a, an artifact of Russian disinformation and whether that was improper, uh, may ultimately redound to the courts or uh, perhaps the weaponization committee uh, to decide. Um, let me ask you one other thing. I don't want to mention your, your book, Scalia, Rise to uh, Greatness, by the way. Um, what are you working on now? <clears throat> well, uh, I love being the chief White House correspondent for Newsmax. Yes. Uh, I think uh, gaining some traction uh, in terms it. of being able to participate in the briefings with Kareem Jean-Pierre. 
uh, Admiral Kirby and others. Uh, and, of course, it was um, at CPAC last weekend where I, it was this reporter who asked former President Trump, uh, in essence, um, if he would remain in the presidential race in the event that one of the more one or more of the investigations surrounding him should produce an indictment against him, and he said, "Oh, absolutely, I would never think about leaving." And he said, "It will probably it will enhance his numbers," uh, and that made a lot of news. So, uh, enjoying uh, covering these uh, these large figures and events for Newsmax, and now plugging away in addition to promoting the Scalia book, uh, working away on Volume Two. This book, Scalia: Rise to Greatness. Uh, 1936 to 1986, just released this week, uh, chronicles the first 50 years of Antonin Scalia's life uh, in great detail with new documents and new revelations. Uh, and it ends with him sitting down, taking his seat on the Supreme Court. And so hopefully, I'll speak to you many times in the interim, Rob, but two and a half years from now, we'll also be talking about volume two of this biography, which will cover the Supreme Court years. Well, I will get a copy of the book. I will read the copy of the book, and I will discuss it with you on our next meeting. But I do greatly appreciate your work for Newsmax, James Rosen. I, I, as you know, I'm a big fan, uh, and I'm just glad you have a uh, an outlet like Newsmax to do what you do best on. And, and you're, I just think you're doing a fantastic job. Ours is a mutual admiration society, young man. All right. Thank you, my brother. I ain't so young. But anyway, have a great weekend. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Rob. All right. It's the Rob Carson Show. Dissent is not disinformation. It's the Rob Carson Show. James Rosen, uh, what a great, uh, what a great journalist. And, and you know, he said things that I don't agree with during that interview. But he's a straight arrow, man. You don't ask him for opinion. You ask him for stories. He, he is honestly one of the best. I'd put him right up there with Stossel. I'd put him up right up there with, uh, uh, well, Darren Beatty, who we have next hour. Uh, and his new book is called Scalia, Rise to Greatness. You might want to get that because you know it's going to be well-written. It's just going to be well-written. I was thinking about song parodies last night, uh, you know, because I wanted to say something about Tucker Carlson. And I was just thinking maybe the, the night they shut Tucker Carlson down or, or shut old Tucker down. And then I thought no no that's not it and then jim gossett came up with this he did because he's really good jim gossett patreon.com jim gossett comedy if you want to help him out tucker blinked fox told him to back down is what i think that's pretty sad pull the videos <laughs> chuck schumer wine and the next day a video you could not find find on Tucker's show <laughs> tonight more explosive video from january 6th oh, oh wait i've just been handed a note from my boss <laughs> tucker went soft it seems the entire story has been off it's been off by Fox. Yeah, do a sheep story. Fox hides the facts. The video should have been sent to Newsmax. Yeah, we'd like to have it. Why give them to Fox? They'll wind up in a bar. Or in a park somewhere like Clinton Associates. Anyway, okay, let's move on. So um, there, there is uh, uh, much to get to, and, and the reason why I've spent so much time talking about this massive uh, censorship industrial complex is because it is the biggest threat to uh, our way of life, of what we do uh, in our lifetimes. It is. There are people who die in shark-infested waters 
to come to freedom. And life is cheapened when you are not able to express yourself, worship freely, or bring your grievances against the government. And that's what this government, our federal government, our deep state, Republicans and Democrats have done to our country. And now we have to defund, we have to fire, we have to indict, we have to convict. And for those of you who say there's no such thing as election fraud, the FBI engaged in it in 2016, and their candidate lost, and in 2020, and their candidate won. Won. Matt Taibbi appeared before Congress yesterday, as well as Michael Schellenberger. They're both left-leaning journalists. They both discovered when they were doing the Twitter files that the government has a massive complex meant to censor, shadow ban, and purge conservatives. These are liberal journalists saying this. This is the uh, the representative uh, Plaskett from the Virgin Islands. She's not going back. Uh, saying that uh, uh, Mr. Taibbi's journalism is actually a threat. Mr. Chairman, I'm not exaggerating when, when I say that you have called before you two witnesses who pose a direct threat to people who oppose them. Okay, now, this goes back to what's been taught on campus for the last 40 years. It started out with just, you know, uh, idiotic minutia like taking, uh, changing the name of the, the word manhole to just, uh, I guess, a hole because, you know, you got to get rid of men. And then it moved on to going after conservatives. Then it went after supporting uh, Black Lives Matter. Then it chased conservatives off of campus. And they said conservative speech is white supremacy. And then it became uh, conservative speech is actually dangerous. It's a weapon. And that's where she's coming, uh, bringing this from. It's funny when people have to go through that. Exactly. This is unacceptable. All right. So we've got a little bit more on this. And then we're going to get into a little bit on Joe Biden's uh, uh, budget, among other things, in the final hour of the radio program. And Darren Beatty from Revolver is coming up soon. This is The Rob Carson Show. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number three of the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. This hour, we've got Darren Beatty. Uh, he's uh, Revolver News. Uh, you should really check out Revolver News. He's uh, terrific. Also, uh, you know, I was thinking about we've had We had James Rosen on last hour from Newsmax, who I, I've been a fan of forever. Uh, you got John Solomon is another person I think is really doing a great job doing the news. Uh, and so, you know, um, rather than just opinion, people who actually, uh, you know, do create journalism uh, on the show that I, I think you, I, undoubtedly some of the best journalists featured on this show. I know it's crazy. You, your standards are so much lower when you listen to my show. And when I surprise you every once in a while, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's almost worth listening to. Anyway, uh, if you want. If you get the chance to this weekend, I've got a political uh, comedy show on Newsmax Television, and it's called Rob Carson's What in the World. Uh, it is done. It is in the can for the weekend, and uh, uh, Democrats, it's not what they think. Um, anyway, you can watch it tomorrow night, Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. You can watch it Sunday at 2 o'clock Eastern, and then again on Monday morning early. That's when Donald Trump watches it religiously. And um, it's funny. I mean, this you're going to do spit takes. You might even do a guffaw. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that good. So uh, just go to NewsmaxTV.com if you want to, all of the platforms where Newsmax is. And i got to tell you, after Fox News, I mean, really, Fox News, remember election night? Remember what you said? And you're like, oh, my God, Brett Bear. Wow, really? Okay. 
And then we find out, you know, Monday, Tucker Carlson, he gets the uh, January the 6th video. You're thinking, oh, great. And the first night you're opening up, and it's like, oh, my God, if this is opening night, imagine how good this is going to get. And then they put the heavy on him. They put the heavy on him. Tuesday through to yesterday, nothing. Yesterday he did a stupid story about 35 minutes into the show about some sheep escaping the slaughterhouse. And then they did a live shot from two of the farmers, two of the shepherds, the sheep herders. That To me, that was Tucker saying, okay, you know what, fine, I'll play by your games and I'll just put stupid crap on. Uh, but he did cover what was happening on uh, Capitol Hill yesterday. By the way, uh, Kevin McCarthy has agreed uh, to full public release of the, uh, the January the 6th tapes. So that's great. Somebody had mentioned earlier in the show, how about C-SPAN? How about just let them do a loop? Do uh, for, you know, If you need to edit out anything that might be a security risk, whatever, maybe a congressman having sex with an intern in a bathroom, you know, all the stuff that happens at Capitol Hill or on an elevator, then do so. But otherwise, just do a loop. Just do a loop on C-SPAN. That way there's no if ands, or buts about it. Seriously, at 1,000%, we need the tapes. And I got to tell you, we are, the lid's about to come off the pressure kittle, the pressure cooker. And it did yesterday on Capitol Hill, two left-leading journalists who were tasked by uh, Elon Musk to share what he discovered after he, you know, bought Twitter. We've discovered that Twitter and the deep state and, I mean, many, many uh, uh, affiliates of the government, uh, uh, NGOs, big media, big tech, all colluded to censor, shadow ban, and purge conservatives' messaging around topics like COVID, the Russia collusion scam, the 2020 election. I said, I said, if the government says what you believe, if the mainstream media says what you believe in big tech, all say what you believe is misinformation and disinformation. It means that you know the truth and they're trying to cover it up. And I was 1,000% right. Here is Michael Schellenberger. A little more on this, and then i got some other stuff I want to get to. Michael Schellenberger yesterday talking about the United States becoming communist China. I've never worked on an issue where so frequently while doing it, I just had chills go up my spine because of what I was seeing happening. I never thought in my own country that freedom of speech would be threatened in this way, and it's just frightening when you get into it. Um, the most recent... Uh, our, our most recent discoveries, I mean, I think you understand the process, is that we first raised a bunch of concerns around the way Twitter pre-Elon Musk was uh, censoring people and creating blacklists. Yeah. Very quickly, we discovered that we had FBI agents uh, basically and, and other government officials you know, demanding that Twitter take certain actions. We now know that the Department of Homeland Services, uh, which has uh, had, what's that? Security. Security, sorry. The Department of Homeland Security uh, you know, had, had to try, try to create a disinformation board. Uh, that went away after public backlash, but we now realize that they have this other enterprise and they've been building out basically mechanisms to proliferate a censorship industrial complex around the country to censor on a whole range of issues. And so you've seen them, you've seen this censorship industry go from, well, we're just fighting ISIS to, well, we're just fighting Russian disinformation bots to, well, now we need to fight domestic misinformation, yeah. which is just saying we need to fight against people who are saying things we disagree with online. That's all that means. And I, I mean, it's not a slippery slope. It's an immediate leap into a, a terrifying mechanism that I, we only see in totalitarian societies of attempting to gain control over what the social media platforms are, allow, are allowing. And, so and you know why I know that? And I knew it for the last three years? Because I'm not stupid. And neither are you. And I said that if anybody tells you you can't have an opinion on something, you tell them to go to hell. Because the First Amendment guarantees you can, even if it's wrong. 
or in this case, what the government says is wrong, even if it's the truth. Here's a little more from Matt Gates. Matt Gates asking uh, Michael Schellenberger about what it was like, what it felt like to know that the FTC government agency is targeting him and Matt Taibbi since they were named as reporters for the Twitter files. But I, I have to get to a question I'm amazed hasn't been asked of the two of you. This FTC consent decree, where it is government action subject to rigorous scrutiny under First Amendment standards, government action demanding that your names be listed. How did it feel when you found out that you were being expressly targeted by a government document based on your reporting? Other than, I mean, right after you peed your pants when you found out about it, what did you think? It was chilling. I mean, it's disturbing. I, I never thought that would happen in the United States of America, to be perfectly honest. I've been in a bunch, I've lived in a bunch of authoritarian countries, mm -hmm. I've visited a lot of authoritarian countries, mm -hmm. never thought this kind of thing would be going on here. And the nexus to authoritarianism is the desire to control the nature of truth itself. Disinformation. It's whatever the government says they think. is Well, it's the opposite of what the government considers to be true. Your opinion, even if it's right, can still be called disinformation by the government and shut down. Our understandings change about things. We learn new things. We challenge prior assumptions. But if a bunch of people in Washington, D.C. get to decide what the truth is, and then enforce it on the country and then punish and target those who report on their conduct, we are drifting more toward that. Here is uh, Matt Gates, the crime bill for Washington, D.C. Like so many George Soros uh, uh, prosecutors have allowed to happen in places like New York. They wanted to do the same thing in Washington, D.C. They wanted to lessen penalties for a host of different crimes. And isn't it remarkable that Congress could give a rat's behind when New York does that, and they could care less when Baltimore does it, and they could care less, but when it involves congressmen and women driving into the district to do their work... Well, they don't want this crap to happen. Isn't that interesting? And Joe Biden didn't even uh, veto the thing. He said it was about the election. No, it wasn't. He knows that these laws only wreck cities. But you see, uh, Democrats and Republicans have to work in D.C. Uh, it, it, it is a metaphor for everything that I've said. Fly to uh, Ukraine and forget about the people of East Palestine. You know, there you go. So the only city they care about, about these idiotic programs where they lessen the, uh, the, uh, the penalties for major crimes, like in Chicago, is when it's in their own backyard. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Here is the D.C. police chief talking about uh, the average murder suspect in Washington, D.C. And if you think this is not a problem, uh, you're a moron. Um, the average person who ultimately is arrested for committing a murder has been arrested 11 times previously on average. Guns off the street. What we got to do, if we really want to see homicides go down, is keep bad guys with guns in jail. Because when they're in jail, they can't, Don't forget knives. can't be in community shooting people. So when people talk about what we're going to do different or what we should do different, what we need to do different, that's the thing that we need to do different. We need to keep violent people in jail right now. Oh, shut up. No way. Really? The average homicide suspect, the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to them committing a homicide. That is a problem. That is a problem. 
So you can uh, lessen the penalties for everything and release people out with no cash bail and all that, as long as it's in New York or Chicago or St. Louis or in, uh, you know, Baltimore and whatever. But not in D.C. Not in D.C. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre talking about all the uh, crimes that uh, would uh, not get much of a penalty had this actually passed. I did talk to the team, and we have a couple of things that I just want to lay out for all of you and on what the D.C. bill does. It reduces maximum penalties uh, for offenses like murders and other homicides, armed, armed home invasion burglaries, armed, armed carjackings, as I mentioned, armed robberies, unlawful gun possession, and some uh, sexual assault offenses. And how the hell does that do anybody any good? See, that's how insane the Democrat Party is right now. Just bat guano crazy, and they don't care about you. They don't care about you. But when it's in their backyard, it's a problem. Pete Buttigieg laxed out at critics on uh, Sunday, calling Tucker Carlson uh, uh, a member of the East Coast elite. So uh, here's here's uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, attempting to take down uh, Tucker Carlson as being some sort of elite, and he ended up doing it in in like an incredibly fabulous way. I'll just put it that way. He didn't make any of it. You know, like you'd say something like Tucker Carlson's never been to a Walmart before. Or, you know, something, never lived in a trailer park, which I don't, uh, I actually might think he might have. But anyway, here, here's what he said. He said uh, he's been slammed for being on unannounced parental leave during the cargo crisis and all that. And, of course, uh, uh, East Palestine. Here's what he said on Sunday. It, it's really rich to see some of these folks, the former president, these Fox hosts, who are literally lifelong card-carrying members of the East Coast elite, whose top ep economic policy priority has always been tax cuts for the wealthy. And who wouldn't know their way around? Are you, are you listening to this? This is how it gets all fabulous uh wouldn't know their way around a tj maxx in their life if their life depended on it to be presenting themselves uh as if they genuinely care about the forgetting middle of the country you think tucker carlson knows the difference between a tj maxx and a coles mic drop <laughs> that's his point he is so down with the average person. You think that Tucker Carlson knows the difference between a TJ Maxx and a Coles? <laughs> Just hilarious. Just hilarious. You know, it's funny. My producer, Ken, who's great, and I, I call him uh, Redneck MacGyver. Just because he figured out how to take his... I've got an electric bike... Uh, uh, the one thing the America-hating left and Democrats didn't expect. Unlike them, we don't hate America. We are finally putting America first. It's the Rob Carson Show. Friday edition of the Rob Carson Show. Now, if you uh, <clears throat> need any more proof that the government is lying to you about 1,000%, you can't trust. Honestly, you cannot trust. The CDC, you can't trust the FBI, you can't trust the HHS, you can't trust the uh, the DHS. The DHS needs to, honestly, first order of business from the new president, Donald Trump, hopefully before 2024, but I doubt that'll happen, um, is to get rid of the DHS. <clears throat> Everybody who works for it, bye-bye, bye-bye, go do something else. Just like the Keystone Pipeline people, just go work somewhere else, because you're done, you're done. The head of your agency is evil, the uh, the agency itself is uh, is uh, has never fulfilled its promise, and now it's just an abusive organization, honestly. Bye-bye, bye-bye, uh, bye-bye, DHS. And uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, I hope, has to wear a little tiny orange jumpsuit the rest of his miserable little life because he is a little statist. That's what he 
is. And I got to tell you, you put people in charge like this and they do the abuse that they have, they should be done, done, uh, done. Uh, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, this is pretty funny, uh, he thinks we're stupid, and the FBI literally has had the, uh, the um, uh, Hunter Biden laptop for more than three years. They got it 11 months before the 2020 election. They covered it up. They interfered with an election. That is election fraud. So 2020, there was election fraud, and it appears to have thrown the election, meaning that the election was stolen. There you go. How do you like them apples? Oh, you couldn't say that a couple months ago, because it was disinformation here is um oh yeah christopher ray yesterday this is the same guy who literally this week last week says oh yeah we've known about uh, the the wuhan origins of uh, covid the lab for forever and then he says uh, oh yeah we don't know anything about hunter biden's laptop we still can't confirm that do you believe the hunter biden laptop story is disinformation well i want to be careful about there is an ongoing investigation that is relevant to that uh, so i have to be careful of what i can share on that here do you believe the Hunter Biden laptop story is disinformation? I don't think there's anything I can share on that in open setting. Were you aware that the FBI personnel were in contact with Twitter regarding the Hunter Biden laptop story? I don't believe FBI personnel were in contact with with Twitter about the Hunter laptop story specifically. Yeah, you're full of crap. It was actually uncovered uh, previously and, and reinforced yesterday. I think there were people in contact with Twitter about Russian disinformation efforts. Yeah, Russian disinformation didn't happen. It was all a lie. Of which the Hunter Biden laptop story was included according to the FBI. Well, I, think, I don't know exactly what you're looking at, but, but I'm happy to talk about what it is the FBI does and does not do with respect to social media companies. This is a runaround. It's called the runaround. Were you aware that the FBI had Hunter Biden's laptop since December of 2019? I can't speak to exactly when we had a laptop available. <laughs> You ass. You ass. Everybody knows when you got it. That's in the record. It was, It's on the record. It was disclosed. Rudy Giuliani gave it to you. It's in the record. As far as it takes. This stonewalling, Director Ray, the American people deserve answers, and this is unacceptable. Lastly, did you sign off on the Mar-a-Lago raid? Uh, well, first off, it was not a raid. It was an execution of a search warrant. Did oh, you? yes. Well, just forget about the 80 agents with their uh, long rifles and the bulletproof vests and everything. It was just a sir. It was a warrant serving thing with the guns and the armed people and stuff. You signed off on the execution second, of the search warrant. I, may I finish? Second, I don't sign off on individual search warrants in that case or in any other. Wow. Did Attorney General Merrick Garland sign off to your awareness? I can't speak to the attorney. <laughs> was there dissent at senior levels of the FBI about the conducting? Of the there was. We all know that. It was a story that came out last week. There are a lot of people in the FBI. The agents are like, we shouldn't be doing this. And they were overridden by Merrick Garland. Of the search warrant. I can't speak to internal discussions among the FBI or among the FBI and the Department of Justice. Even though it's been reported in the Washington Post. There are lots Multiple. of things reported in the media. I know, leaked from your agency. Yeah, yeah, they reported because it leaked from your agency, you buffoon, you moron, you, you, uh, you gullible. Uh, oh, yeah, and this is Brian Vordran. He's the deputy uh, director of cybersecurity at the FBI. March 29th of last year, after the FBI had been in, in uh, possession of Hunter Biden's laptop since very early in 2019, this is Brian Vordran saying that, I don't know where the laptop is. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. 
I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. That is astonishing to me. Is, has, has FBI cyber assessed whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop could be a point of vulnerability, allowing America's enemies to hurt our country? Sir, the FBI cyber program is based off of what's codified in Title 18. Or- um, blah, blah, blah. 18, Section 1030, a code. Yeah, which- whenever they bring up this, uh, you know, this esoteric kind of uh, clinical description, it's meant to distract. They do this in college classrooms. Talks about computer intrusions, right? Using nefarious intent. Network well, you've talked network. about passwords here. I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter 02. He drops it off at a repair store. I'm holding the receipt from <laughs> Max Computer Repair, where <laughs> in receipt. December 2019, yeah. They turned over this laptop to the FBI, and what yeah. now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. There you go. December of 2019, the FBI got it. They know they got it, and they need to fire every one of the jerks in charge of that agency. They need to send them to jail, and they need to seriously consider restructuring or just getting How rid of the FBI. How are Americans supposed to trust that you can protect this us This is the Rob the Carson colonial- Show, right back in a second. It's time to make common sense common again. It's the Rob Carson Show. The DHS is the tip of the spear when it comes to the repurposing of the national security apparatus domestically in order to silence, suppress, and destroy Trump and his movement. That is Darren Beatty. He is the creator of Revolver News, a uh, news site that I check out every single day. It's on my list. It's always great, and I love to hear him when he talks to Steve Bannon and others, and I get to talk to him now. Darren is on the Newsmax Hotline. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Very happy to be with you. Buddy, I got to tell you, this testimony yesterday featuring Matt Taibbi and Michael Schallenberger was uh, was pretty blockbuster stuff. It almost sounds like they were shell-shocked to discover what they discover. And, of course, you guys covered it yesterday, the censorship industrial complex. What do you think of the testimony and what we've learned about what's, you know, the, the powers that be that are shutting conservative speech down? You know, that's a great question. Um and I'm actually working on a working on a piece on this right now. It turns out that one of the organizations that Tybee has covered, um, called the uh, Electoral Integrity Project. Yes. Um, this organization actually came after Revolver News. In fact, we might be the most aggressively attacked by them. I I, I became aware that they did a whole study about how specifically Revolver dot news and really myself um mainstreamed the public awareness of this concept called the color revolution and how various color revolution professionals were deploying the same methodologies domestically in order to neutralize trump in the months leading up to the election and it's astonishing they have this really detailed analysis where they said well, the color revolution reporting began with Aaron Beatty, then Tucker took it up, and then all these other people took it up. And then they, you know, have a graph to display like the trajectory of the of the influence and such, and go into really kind of detailed detailed narrative explanation as an example for here's how dangerous ideas can go viral on the internet, and you know, with 
with uh, you know the implication that people like this have you know have to be censored. And we've learned that the EIP um, was working in concert with um, government organizations to pressure big tech companies like Twitter to censor things at the narrative level that the regime didn't like. So there are a lot of really outrageous, specific examples of this type of censorship in action. I think at the general theoretical level, the most important take-home point from the Twitter files and you know, other things, if you've been following Revolver.News, this is nothing new, but the most important general take-home from this is that typically I think many of us have understood the censorship problem as one that comes from the private sector, that it is woke, censorious commissars at the middle management or sometimes at the upper management level within these tech companies who are responsible for the censorship. And that is certainly true, but it's not the full story that the censorship is actually a lot of the pressures coming from the government itself. And the Department of Homeland Security in particular is sort of um, asserted itself yes. as the tip of the spear when it comes to reconfiguring, reconfiguring the national security apparatus domestically against American citizens. And the censorship component of that seems to have taken place and really been incubated um, most prominently within the Department of Homeland Security. We heard of this ill-fated um, disinformation governance board, for instance, <laughs> yes. that was housed within the DHS. And now there's another organization also called out and described in the Twitter files called CISA, C-I-S-A, and um, that's also been responsible for censorship and that's also coordinated very closely with the Election Integrity Partnership. And in conjunction with one another, they would consistently pressure Twitter to censor things at the narrative level, meaning not just this particular thing you have to zap, but anything that advances this narrative of, you know, something wrong with the election or something we don't approve of in relation to COVID or something we don't approve of in relation to Hunter Biden, the, the laptop. All of these things were coordinated by this revolving door between the trust and safety censorship offices within the big tech companies, the um, government agencies such as the DHS and CISA, but also the FBI and others, and thirdly, these kind of civil society cutout organizations, these NGOs that yes. really function at the behest of the government to do its most egregious censorship dirty work for it because they still have to at least pay some lip service to the First Amendment. And so this is sort of a broad picture of how all of this censorship architecture actually functions. Now, there are a lot of uh, Democrats who say there's no election fraud whatsoever. I would venture to uh, say that the FBI's involvement in covering up Hunter Biden's laptop and the other sundry uh, uh, agencies that you've been talking about, including this uh, election integrity thing, that is, uh, that's election interference. I would also say the same thing happened uh, with regard to the 2016 election with the FBI uh, uh, saying that and, and working with the Hillary Clinton campaign to create a Russian dossier to surveil the Trump campaign transition team and presidency. Uh, wouldn't you consider that to be, in some ways, election fraud? Well, absolutely. And that's the thing, is that 
you know, there's talk about stolen election. I think the more appropriate vocabulary is the rigged election. Yeah. And one of the principal ways in which the election was rigged was complete censorship regime. Think about it. A major story pertaining to one of the two presidential candidates was completely censored by the most important communications vehicles online, including Twitter. The, you know, the sitting president of the United States yeah. ultimately, you know, deplatformed from his preferred wow. method of communication. When, you know, Trump was banned from Twitter, obviously that happened after, but still it gives you a sense to control the information flow and to censor things at a narrative level in such a manner as to consistently favor one party and one perspective is the very core, the very definition of rigging an election, which is predicated on people being able to access, to review, to assess, to deliberate upon information. The whole theory of democracy is predicated on that. If the information flow and access is controlled in this fashion, you cannot have free and fair elections. And that's exactly what we have here. Yeah. And what we see is, you know, the, the influence of the big tech companies, of the censorious organizations within the intelligence community, they've had a far more malicious effect on our democratic process than any alleged yeah. foreign adversary. Yeah. The FBI, me... the DHS, had done far more damage to our institutions than Russia or China could ever dream of. Absolutely. And it's also kind of a, uh, I guess you could call it a capitalistic version of uh, disinformatio, which, of course, uh, Joseph Stalin came up because uh, a lot of people made some money off of it. The Department of Defense actually paid NewsGuard $750,000 to uh, censor, uh, to uh, to steer advertisers away from places like Gateway Pundit, uh, Newsmax, and others. So it was basically taking what Stalin did and adding some tax money <laughs> Well, let me tell you, NewsGuard in particular, I have a history uh, with NewsGuard, and so does yes. Revolver News. We did an absolute slam dunk piece destroying them after they sent us this email saying, oh, why didn't you do this? Why did you do this? We knew they were going to attack. We went on the offensive. And let me tell you, talk about a scam organization absolutely risen with conflicts of interest. If you look at the Board of Advisors of NewsGuard, which purports to give ratings as to like like nutrition style labels yes. to to <laughs> make a commentary on the kind of nutritional value as it were of the content of various websites. Who are the people making these judgment calls? Well, I'm I'm not even kidding you your audience will be Shocked. You won't okay. believe me when I tell you who's on their board of advisors. Okay, who? One member of the board, Michael Hayden, scumbag, former head of the CIA, wow. former head of the NSA, was the architect of the domestic surveillance program that Edward Snowden exposed. Wow. In the aftermath of this, Hayden, being the nice guy he was, joked about assassinating Edward Snowden. Who else? Wow. Richard Stengel was on this. He was oh, yes. self-described chief propagandist yes. for the Obama administration. He yeah. headed the 
Global Engagement Center, yet another government office responsible for censorship that's been directed domestically um, to uh, basically influence the political affairs in the United States. Richard Stengel is on the board. Arne Duncan, some pervert who used to run the Department of Education for Obama. It's a who's who of filthy, corrupt scumbags who are proven liars in many cases. Imagine having an organization like this where you're giving truth labels to things and you have on your board of advisors the former head of the NSA who ran the domestic surveillance program. Oh, yeah, and of course, they're intertwined financially with Pfizer. Um, I don't know if this is still the case. I suspect it is. But as of the time that we ran this article, one of their biggest uh, clients, their biggest benefactors was this PR organization, and it's one of its biggest clients was Pfizer. Wow. Let me so, ask you this. And, and, and they're like particularly aggressive about punishing news organizations that deviate from the narratives that best contribute to the profit margins yes. of Pfizer. And so uh, now, now, and it's this is really it. incredible. It's really incredible that this organization has been able to scam its way into a position where not only do they censor websites, on behalf of people, but they actually scam people into paying them for the service of telling them which websites they're allowed to look at and which sites they're not. By the way, I I saw Ed Dowd was on the PBD podcast, and he talked about Pfizer, and Pfizer in its history had only made about $40 billion, and last year they made 90 billion dollars it is uh obscene and in in absolutely incomprehensible uh darren we got to take a break can you hold on for the next break because i want to ask you about tucker carlson and where he what happened to him after monday night i'd love to hear your sure. thoughts on that can you do that let's do that next let's take a break uh we are talking to darren Beatty of revolver news you've got to make revolver a favorite every single day make it a part of your life it's fantastic let's take a break it's a rob carson show the SS Titanic is going down, and there's no room on the door for Democrats. It's the Rob Carson Show. It's not like, I mean, trust me, I worked at Fox for many years. So if somebody gets a big, big scoop, you, you know, you you ride it. You ride the wave. You, you blanket the channel with it. You have it exclusively. It's yours. Nobody else has it. Um, the fact that it's not ubiquitous across the channel definitely says something. This was my uh, worst nightmare, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, being exclusively given the January 6th tapes, which I said originally, really, really, we got it, okay. And now we find out that it looks like, and we're talking to Darren Beatty of of Revolver News, uh, after a blockbuster Monday night, it looks like somebody put the heavy on him. What's your opinion, Darren? Well, you know, I don't really know. Uh, It's it's hard to say, and I would reserve judgment. I would reserve judgment as to that. I don't think my personal sense is I don't think that there's a situation where um, Tucker's not being allowed to do it. If there is explosive footage and if it is being prevented from being released for whatever reason, I have strong confidence that it will come out one way or another. So. Yeah. I think it's a little bit premature to say, and everything that I've heard has mostly been kind of um, inferential um, and, 
you know, maybe maybe it's it is the case, maybe not. Yeah. But my sense would be to reserve judgment and see because I haven't seen any really compelling evidence that there's some kind of coercion or something like that. You didn't see on. that he did the whole show with a gun to his head last night? You didn't see that? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you Darren, never know. You yeah, never Darren, know, but, uh, I'm going to I'm just, I, I'm not saying this, uh, you know, unequivocally, but I'm saying uh, if you just looked at, like I was watching last night, and I remember Tuesday night, we're thinking, I mean, this is much CTV. People had their popcorn ready to go after Monday. They're like, oh, my God, they disproved the sickening thing. They disproved, uh, appear to have disproved uh, the uh, the uh, QAnon shaman thing. Uh, the fact that uh, people went into the Capitol after an outside, there was violence, and then all of a sudden, and everybody was peaceful inside, didn't make any sense at all. And then uh, Tuesday, nothing. Then Wednesday, nothing. Last night, literally, Darren, I was watching it in real time. And I saw him do, uh, he opened with a story that was not number one. It was about transgenderism. Then he went on to something else. He did a story about seven sheep escaping a slaughterhouse at about 35 minutes in with an uh, interview with sheep uh, herders, or sheep shepherds, whatever you want to call them. And then he did the testimony on Cap. Capitol Hill with regard to Schellenberger and Taibbi. And I think it was, this is me, this is my opinion, and I think I'm right. This was my way of saying, somebody is telling him he can't say anything, and this is his way of saying, you know what, then I'll just, uh, to hell with the whole damn thing, I'll do absurd crap. I'll have a stupid story on about sheep in the middle of the, the, the show when when the world is exploding. When, when what is happening on Capitol Hill yesterday, it, we have effectively the Woodward and Bernstein of, uh, of 2023 of of, millennia, of the millennials, possibly Generation X, except for their liberals. They're liberals, and they're exposing a, a, uh, a, a legit um, cabal shutting down freedom of speech from conservatives. And, and Tucker Carlson, in the middle of his show, does a fluff story about sheep escaping the slaughter. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Well, look, I can't speak to the sort of editorial judgments on the yes. show. Yes, I would yes. say we should wait and see. And the most important part is, if there is explosive footage that they have that for whatever reason they can't release, it will come out yeah. one way or another. Darren, let me ask you this, because the um, uh, Kevin McCarthy said he's going to release the footage to everybody. I had somebody say earlier today, I ought to just put it on C-SPAN, run it in a loop. Just, you know, whatever, if there's anything that needs to be redacted for security purposes, but otherwise, run the whole damn thing in a loop. What are your thoughts about who should get this uh, footage? Because clearly, everybody's going to have some sort of editorial judgment with regard to it. There are, you know, every journalist has a little bit of, you know, uh, that, that what makes them unique. It may not be in a, 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 a direct partisan slant, but they will have a different take on it. What do you suggest? Well, I mean, I think it should be made broadly available to the public in a kind of WikiLeaks style. Okay, okay. Um, you know, you see this sort of Twitter files version of things where you have, you know, a couple people who are the mediators of information when there's a ton of information. Like you said, everybody's going to have their own slant, yeah, yeah. their own editorial judgment. In the case of this footage, there's simply so much of it. Nobody yeah, can go yeah. through 40,000 hours. And so I think the most productive approach would be to kind of crowdsource it, have yep. 
people who are engaged with a lot of time on their hands on the internet, you know, watch thousands of hours and you never know what they'll find. It's the kind of needles in the haystack type situation. We want to make sure that if there's a needle there, we find it. Darren, we got to we got to run. I'll just tell you, I'll be watching Revolver News. And if I see the opening story about delightful summer salad recipes, I'll know the man got to you. All right, Darren. But, dude, thanks for the great work. I want to have you on again. Revolver News is the site. Thanks for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care of yourselves. Take a break. Come back. Wrap up this thing. It's the Rob Carson Show. If you get a chance to watch my TV show on Newsmax, Rob Carson's What in the World, just go to NewsmaxTV.com and enjoy it. That's where the listings are. God bless you guys. We're going to win this. America's making a comeback. Revolution is upon us. God bless you. See you Monday. Enjoy it. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.